Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And join me as always as a glorious League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Pretty good. I feel like 111 would be something that uh, Chinese people would say is auspicious for some reason. Isn't it the old Nelson figure in cricket? Yeah, you know, the umpire, old Dickie knees to put his leg in the air whenever 111 came up. I didn't know that. <laughs> there you go. So in cricket parlance, I'll spend the rest of the day with just one foot on the ground. Okay. That's fair yeah. enough. It's easy because I'm sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost the end of the day as well. So Yeah. I just put one foot up on top of the slave's back. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as they uh, stay on the ground the way that we like the slaves, that's the important thing. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, big, big week of news. Mm, there's so much all of a sudden. It's and it's weird. It's lots of little bits of news, but it's kind of all important in its own way. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, the best nugget is the uh, is the one we're going to start with. That's mm. Paul McGregor. Yeah. Super coach. Um, Super coach Paul McGregor. I'll just summarise. He just had a, a, a quick little interview with, uh, I think it was Laurie Daly on 4KY yep. or something like that. 2KY, Sydney, Big Sports Breakfast. There we go. And he's pretty much came out, and I've, I've done a bit of a summary. I know you've done yours as well, so I'll go through my one. Mm-hmm. Um, he blamed the loss of Jack DeBellin. Um, Garth would have decided to go to England, how that impacted the roster. Um, they then wrongly focused on the future. Then Coronel was playing out of position, uh, injuries, lack of depth, that they're, they're a development club, then yeah. someone poaches his players, and he doesn't actually blame anyone, but it's not his fault, even yeah. though most of that is his fault. It's almost as though he had this plan for the Dragons, right? And the plan started with them winning all of their games and then they win the grand final. But all these things started to mess with his plan. So he can't be held responsible for the, you know, 15th place on the ladder because his plan had them win in the grand final. So I kind of see where he's coming from here too because I don't think it was Paul McGregor that was the problem. I think it was every single other person at the club, including the players, and I think the fans need to take responsibility for the team's failure as well. I mean, shame on them. Can we also? We should also blame the universe. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it conspired. Let's be honest. It conspired against McGregor. He had a very rock solid plan: be undefeated to the finals, win all the finals, and then win the grand final. I mean, find any holes in that. Exactly. In, in another timeline, Paul McGregor. He's just sitting at home right now, just polishing about seven NRL trophies. He's like, man, I didn't realise it would be this easy. But that's a different timeline. That's not this one. He's a smart man. He's done his research. He's gone, I worked in 1959 for the Dragons. Mm -hmm. Why don't we go back to the, you know, go back. Go back to the glory days. We can do that again. It's I not mean, rocket surgery. It's footy. Yeah. And if there's one thing Paul McGregor knows, it's footy. It's footy. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, poor bugger. Yeah. Poor man. I mean, I almost shed a tear. Injuries? When the fuck do injuries ever happen? I can't Just, believe you had to deal with injuries this year. I mean, Corey Norman playing out of position. I mean, who the hell told Corey Norman to play out of position? I'm sure it was Ben Hunt. Oh, it's got to be. No one else has has got the authority to do that. No, no. A lack Uh, of depth? Well, I I, I kind of blame Corey Norman for that one. I mean, Corey has to take some of the blame. Because it can't be Paul McGregor. Well, no, well, Corey's got to take some of the blame because of the salary he's on. Yeah. If he had come to the club and said, you know, I'll play for $100,000 a year, then there's another half a million dollars there at least that they could spend on other players. But greedy Corey Norman wanting all this big cash to be a half, all of a sudden, I mean, Ben Hunt too has got to take some of the blame because he's on even more money. And then you've got Gareth Widdop, who is living in Sydney, having lived in Melbourne, and then 
all of a sudden he just gets this crazy need to go and live in Warrington. Yeah, I I must admit that that's a bit of pill to swallow. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you never think someone living in Sydney is going to go. You know what? I'd rather be in Warrington. No, no, no one that's sane anyway. I mean, there's. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Warrington, but I will most certainly write about it. <laughs> this is correct. Um, I, I like the fact he was still going on about Jack DeBellin. Yeah, well, I mean, that came out of the blue back in, what, last November? Mm. Um, so, I mean, how do you prepare for that? He only had three or four months to prepare for that. Um, you Did know, you he had, know? Did you know, actually, before you go on, mm-hmm. Jack DeBellin had more tri-assists in his last season than every other NRL player? Seriously? Well, apparently. I tell you what, none of them were for kicks, though, because he doesn't like the kicks, McGregor. Tap, tap-ons or bat-ons or off the yeah. fifth tackle. Yeah. yeah. He likes to slow the game down, take the backs out of it, and just, you know... Fuck with the back line as much as possible. He, he's a man who's who's watched a game of Rugby Union from 1912 mm. where the props just did 7,000 hit-ups every game and went, yeah, that will work. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. I tell you what, if they had have stopped the season after seven weeks, premiers. Yeah, I mean, he, he plays... See, the way the, uh, the way the McGregor model works is six, you need to be successful for the first six weeks. Mm. Get the contract extension. Yep. Have one one or two more wins to make everyone feel nice and warm and fuzzy. Like, oh, yeah, we've made the right decision. And then just fuck it up. Yeah, just ruin ruin everything. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I like about what he does is he extracts every last little bit of effort out of his forwards but then he keeps on selecting them for the last, like, you know, 19 rounds of the season. Yes. And wonders why the game plan isn't working anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's an interesting quote in there which um, I know piqued your interest. Yeah. He said, we're a development club. Yeah. He's, and he's made it out as though they lost... They keep on losing all of these great players that they've developed to other clubs. And so, like, what is he supposed to do? And so you went back and you went through all of the players that they lost. And the headline players that they lost that they developed, out of the list you told me, over the last, like, going back probably, what was it, five years, something like that, Yeah, was Trent Marin and Mitch Rain. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like they were, um, it wasn't like they'd lost. They'd lost a bunch of New South Wales Cup level players. Like I don't know what he's talking about being a development club. You could you could throw Brett Morris in there as well, I guess. But um, yeah, winger, centre. Yeah, they're not the players who win in your games. It's, it's he, people in the middle. He should line up the players that he develops at his club with and losers with the ones that Penrith develop and lose. Like, that list ain't even fair. And, you know, it's what you do. Oh, we've got too much talent. Oh, boo-hoo. I'd like How to about know... You some of them? Just fucking retain some of them, Paul. That's... If they're that fucking good, sign them. You know, instead of pissing and moaning to Laurie Daly. You know, fucking whinger. You've been in that job for seven years now, and what have you got to show for it? You're telling everyone to forget all of the results from the last six years or so to focus on 2020. You're going to fuck that up too. Everybody around you got sacked so you could continue your job. Well done, Paul. Fantastic stuff. He's he's a genius because he even went on about how 2018 was good because they didn't get any injuries. Yeah, like that, that's his whole operandus, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what am I? Fucking injuries kicked in. It's like everyone's dealing with injuries, you dickhead. Yeah. Oh, couldn't believe the the brazen idiocy of the human. Just, just whinging about like th- about the fucking role of being a coach. That's kind of what your job is, Paul. You got to fucking coach the team, son. But the, this is the thing is the, the things that he was blaming as part of the problems are partly because of him. 
Look, yeah. we'd, have, we'd have gone to England and how that impacted the roster. You control the roster. You're the head coach. Um, Norman playing out of position. Who put him there? Yeah. Um, injuries. That's what you've got depth for. A lack of depth. Whose fucking fault is that? Um, someone poaching your junior players. You're not really putting up much of a fight. I mean, seriously, they've, if they've well, just there lost was Luciano Lailua to the Tigers. I mean, they didn't even, they barely put in a fight for that. The Tigers got in pretty easy. Yeah. And whether they wanted him or not is another thing. But you can't sit there and piss and moan about the fact you're losing development players when you're not trying to really resign them at the, at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's always some talk that the Tigers might be getting Zach Lomax from the club. That's been going on for a while. I just can't believe that he just, instead of saying it's on me, you know, after yeah. so many years of being in that club, he's got to be, is he the longest tenured coach at a club outside of Craig Bellamy? It's, it must be him uh, and Paul Green, I would guess, would be up oh, there. Wayne Bennett. Yeah, but Bennett's moved around. Oh, I see what you mean, like in the one the club. the one club, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Robinson, he's Trent probably Robinson. pretty close, yeah. Brad Arthur. Yeah, Brad Arthur. <laughs> would you would you count Des Hasler? No, no. He was in the wilderness this time last year. Uh, he was he was in the wilderness somewhere having coffee with Tony Williams, saying, "Don't worry, Tony, I'll get you a gig when I get back on on the on the gravy train somewhere." Ricky Stewart's been at Canberra since 2014, so they're about the oh, same. Yeah. That's the same length of time as well. But that's, that's it. Crazy. That's friggin' crazy. I, like it's just incredible that he come up with so many excuses, and it's not like he doesn't have talent at the club. Like we were talking about this the other night, he's got such a well balanced forward pack, just beautifully balanced. They should be so good, and they're not. Test halfback. Uh, yeah. Uh, doesn't matter what you think of Ben Hunt. He's played Origin, played Test football, so he's obviously of the upper level of quality in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone can debate that. Um, I don't Corey think he's Norman, a, I, when he's on form, is a handy player. Yeah. There's there's no reason for the team to be playing as crap as they do, and I can't I can't find it in me to blame the players because when I watch the Dragons play, they play the most boring, mundane, ineffective attacking form of football I've seen on in the game in a long, long time. But yeah. We had a period for a while where the Bulldogs were struggling to score points. That was largely due to a lack of talent because they had to sh- pretty much strip their club bare to try and get over the salary cap bullshit that they'd gone through and the, you know all the crap they had there. Mm. But they were still entertaining to watch. They were mm. putting in the effort. And I think the Dragon Slayers are putting in the effort as well, but the game plan is just an absolute... It's just an absolute dog. Yeah. And I think the fact that everybody else lost their job in the management side of it, except for Paul McGregor, I think that it shows that they just couldn't afford to sack him, basically. And I wonder how much of their coaching is actually going to be done by Shane Flanagan this year. Um, He'll be only allowed to be an assistant coach, but in title anyway. But, you know, when they're out getting their coaching and everything and doing their game plans. He can do whatever he wants. Like, no one's st- sitting over his shoulder no, and saying, no, no, right. no, that's enough, Shane. That's too yeah. much coaching, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Shane Flanagan does there. And at what point the Dragons say, okay, now we can afford to get rid of Paul McGregor. Because it's coming. Like, he's, his record is bloody terrible. I've, I've got a solution for the Dragons. Yeah, what is it? Merge. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be drastic. No, no, no. Just give Paul McGregor a job of wiping the uh, the whiteboard down. Yeah. That's it. That's his job. Don't give him anything else. And give him a little script to read out when he has to do the, um, the press conferences. Mm-hmm. And replace his duties as head coach with, let's just say, a chair. Okay, yep, yep. I don't think anyone would notice any difference. And if he's not doing any good wiping down the whiteboard, and I'll guess that he'll, he'll fuck that up somehow, mm-hmm. um, like he'll probably lose the eraser and then blame it on someone else pitching the erasers. You know, it was a good eraser. I've done a lot of good work with that eraser. It was just coming good, and someone's come along and taken it. This happens mm-hmm. all the time. And then, you know, 
and then he finds out he's got another eraser and he wants to go to Warrington because the talking razors about, do that sometimes. Yeah, talking about the glory days of 2011 when he yeah. just walked down that day, just like, and he took a couple of good, good hard strokes of that eraser to make that whiteboard just white and gleaming. And it's like those were the days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they find that he's not very good at doing the uh, wiping down the, the board, just say, Paul, I think it's time we part ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's I think it's probably best for Paul McGregor, and he could go out and get a job that's more suited to him, which I think would be something like delivering mail. Yeah. A he picture could, him uh... on a push bike delivering yeah. mail. He looks like my mailman. Does he? Yeah. I just look across and I go, yeah, that's what Paul McGregor really should be doing. Just delivering mail. I think he'd be good as a stand-up comedian. He just seems so bubbly with his personality and stuff. Um, I think he'd, he'd, he'd be really good at that. Big circuit. Yeah. There's a lot It'd of people be, on there, a lot of competition. Be fantastic. Imagine Paul McGregor selling out arenas and shit, just getting up there. It just HBO lights specials. up the stage. Doing HBO specials. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, okay, well, while we're staying on coaches, mm-hmm. we'll touch on this on briefly. Apparently, the NRL coaches are pushing for changes to golden points so that the teams that lose in golden point games get some sort of competition point reward. Uh, I I did some tweets a couple of a couple of days ago where I put on there a whole heap of different options and how it would would have impacted the twenty nineteen ladder, mm-hmm. and I look at it at all of them and I think I don't see the point of making any of the changes because yeah, I mean, the biggest change was the Broncos dropped out of eight and the Tigers went in on some of them. Yeah, and the thing is, like, who are the people that are going around and saying this whole idea? tried and tested idea that's been around for decades where you get two wins for a uh, two points for a win one for a draw and none for a loss i mean it's just broken it's not working for rugby league anymore no one's saying it and we t- took the pit remember when we took the piss out of the coaches and said if they had their way there'd be nothing that they could lose in a game and it would come down to a coin toss and it would be a double-sided coin so they couldn't lose that either because coaches don't like anything that loses them a game. And this idea that we're going to change the entire point system because some fucking coach doesn't like losing a game after 80 minutes, fuck them. I, I'm just sick of this whole idea that we've got to revolutionise the sport every year when there's nothing wrong with it. If you can't win after 80 minutes and you then lose in golden point, you don't deserve anything. What, like, what do you want? You want a pat on the back. Like, that's bullshit. There should be no changes to the point system. The point system is fine. We're not going to see some massive revolutionary changes to the ladder if we change it. The coaches need to just accept that sometimes they fail. And I know that it's not in their personality, but too bad. Like, if we keep doing what the coaches want, we're going to end up with a really fucking boring game. Yeah, I'd actually say that. If we want to talk to people who... um who are going to give us ideas on what rules we need to change in the game? I would say that the one person, the one group of people I'd never ask are the coaches, one hundred because they are all going to be agenda driven. Mm-hmm. What's going to work for my team to make them good? And, and it will change have... year to year. Like if yeah. they win seven golden point games and don't lose one, they'll say, "Oh yeah, I don't think we should have that. I think you should get all the points when you win golden point." But if it switches around the next year. They'll change their opinion on it. You know, the, the coaches are all agenda-driven. They're all trying to break the rules of the game anytime they can. They, as you say, they're the last people we should be talking about the rules because all they do is whinge. How many of them have we seen actually literally whinge about the rules of the game, the rules of rugby league? That, well, that's all they do is whinge. Yeah. That's the thing, though. Could you imagine putting the future development and growth of the game and the rule changing into the hands of the likes of Stephen Kearney, mm. Paul McGregor, Brad Arthur, Brad Arthur. Um, 
That numb nuts coaching the Broncos. Sea ball. Yeah. Just. They're the last. Why? They're the last in the whole list. Can you imagine if Paul McGregor gets in there and says, right, Paul, what do you think we should do to improve rugby league? And you say, unlimited hit ups for prop forwards. Yeah. What was the. Remember when he was saying that he doesn't think that kicks should count as proper yeah. tries or try from a kick? It's like, go away. Go and yeah. pretend to be the coach of this team next year, Paul. We're not looking backward. We're looking forward. You clean off Shane Flanagan's whiteboard. <laughs> what they should do is just get him to come along and clean the whiteboard at this coaches conference. Yeah, that's what it needs because these this idea is absolutely ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with how it is now. It's exciting. People enjoy it. Just leave the rules alone. Stop trying to make a job for yourself. And make yourself all feel important, you know. That it just pisses me off. I bet Graham Annesley's there somewhere with a laser pointer. It oh, smells yeah. like an Annesley thing. Oh yeah, he'll be there. Um, stank all over it. Now, something that is um, something that does have a bit of smell mm-hmm. in this off season has been the amount of articles about Latrell Mitchell that don't contain any quotes or sources. Yeah. But we Have we got another one? We finally found one that does. Ooh, really? Yeah. Hit me but with it's it. Got nothing to do with, it's got nothing to do with Latrell Mitchell and his contract status, though. Okay. <laughs> um, Billy Slater says Latrell Mitchell could become a good fullback if he applies himself. And I'd nice. argue that that rule applies to every player that's ever played the game. Yeah, application of yourself within a rugby league game, I, I feel like that is pretty important. Like, I, mean, I I wonder if Billy Slater would be as good if he, he was as a fullback if he didn't apply himself. Who's a player that didn't apply themselves, like a real lazy player? Dave Taylor. Yeah, there you go. But if he had applied himself, he could have been... He could still be playing if he'd That's applied true. himself. How crazy is that? Well, I mean, he'd, he'd be in the... The same sort of mould of Tom Malolo and the likes. Yeah, he would have been a, a just a very like I feel as though he would have been a really good wide running. It's I mean he's so, such a big dude. It's weird to say second yeah, rower. Had you a know, great great passing game when he too for a big man. Yeah, and he just he just didn't he, chase. Actually, it. he'd be more like a kick out. Yeah, yeah, that something sort of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, come on, Jesus Christ. Corey Thompson would make a good prop forward if he applied himself. <laughs> I wonder what uh, what, what uh, Paul McGregor's going to apply himself to in 2021 when he gets the arse from the Dragons. And Shane Flanagan, the first thing he does is he takes over as a head coach. He says, Paul, get the fuck out. Well, you'll go get that job as straight post. Mm. Yeah, posty. <laughs> I, I, and you know what? I bet he puts those things on his helmet too to stop the magpies. You know those pull ties oh, yeah. with the cable ties. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because he's smart. Yeah, he's ahead of the game. He's ahead of the game. Um, there was a, a funny sort of story. It didn't didn't start out as funny, but there was a a, a response later on by the club which made it sound hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mike Acevo is reported by the Daily Telegraph to have almost lost his finger. And the Parramatta Club came out uh, yesterday and said, no. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The Telegraph actually said he, he was, what, what I think it was two days away from losing his hand, they said. Yeah. And the club called bullshit. They're like, nah, it never, never got to that point. Don't, don't listen to the media. It was never in any danger of any of that bullshit. Oh, God, that was just... I just had to put that in there. There's nothing else to add to it. Just, you know, nah. the fuck? Handy drink. I, I wonder how he hurt his hand. Like, what a shit injury to get a, a sore hand. But, yeah, the idea that he was going to lose his hand in two days. And think about it, right? Just say you really fuck up your hand. Say you uh, get a big rusty nail and drive it right into your hand. 
And how long have you got to just do nothing with your hand for it to get to a point where they might amputate it? <laughs> like, it's got to be a fucking... You've got to be unlucky on top of it being a very long time, you know? It'd, it'd be a few months. You've just got to sit there with your hand with just a rusty nail in it. Yeah. I, I think it'd get to the point where he'd turn up to training with a rusty nail in his hand and people would look at him and go, hey, Micah, he goes, yeah, mate. He goes, you've got a rusty nail in your hand. You should probably get that looked at. He's like... Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I'm leaving that there because I want to see how long it takes before I have to get my hand amputated. <laughs> what do you get your hand amputated for? Says, oh, no, I don't want to. I just want to see. I just want to get close and see how long it takes. Just a little side project. Yeah, it's just something I'm working on. Yeah. Tell you what, he'd have a mean fan, though, wouldn't he? Just put the, put the hand up and just stab someone in the face with a nail. Right in the eyeball. <laughs> Can you imagine? He keeps fucking taking out eyeballs in the NRL. Well, the worst part, too, is every time he go to grab the ball, he just put a big hole in the side of it. Yeah, it just punctures onto his hand, and it's just a good luck stopping him from that point. The Mind only you. person that can get the ball off his arm is like Hodgson comes up from Canberra every time. He he wouldn't have to worry about any of those handling issues that he had at the start of the year, though. It'd just be that's stuck true. to the nail. That's true. What if you Maybe. got? What if you put like some sort of device on his hand, like a suction cup or a hook or a, what else would be really good to have? Well, wait, what he could do. Is yeah. Once the rusty nail is infected, his hand has been amputated, he'd get a robot hand put on there as a replacement with that super grippy Teflon-coated stuff on there and it just stick to everything. That would be pretty cool. And you could have, like, a whip attachment. So anybody that was getting away from you, you just, like, Indiana Jones whip them around the ankles. You start doing ankle taps, like, from 50 metres away. Well, that, that's more like Inspector Gadget. Okay. Go, go, Inspector Gadget hand. Yeah, true. That's true. <laughs> I'm not running anymore. Just give me the ball 90 metres. I'm just going to do the Inspector Gadget arm over the top of everyone, just playing it over the line 90 metres down the field. <laughs> it's a game changer. I, it really is. I think that Mike Acevo has found something here. Maybe he's he, he's, they've screwed him out of having this fucking Inspector Gadget hand. I want to see him cross for it like a try from halfway. It just goes, <laughs> try. Oh, look what we're missing out on. Yeah. If, you, if yeah. you're listening, if you're listening, Paul, Paul McGregor, go, Paul, go, just go, go up to her, what's his name? Wendell Saylor's son. What's his name? Tristan. Tristan Saylor. You go up to him, right? Don't don't let him know, and fucking cut off his hand, okay? And let the doctors do the rest. We have the technology, Paul. It's there. We have the technology. That's the sort of genius he'd come up with. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, could draw that, he could draw that on Shane Flanagan's whiteboard. He could. It'd look fantastic. It'd be a great drawer too, I reckon. It can be great at drawing. Imagine if he was really strangely artistic and in his like team talks and stuff, instead of it all being scribbles and stuff, it's like a it's a work of art every single time. Like the players they forget about football, they're just like Wow, I knew He's really captured the emotion of my face in that drawing. How did he do that? James Graham's in the corner wiping tears out of his eyes. That's probably the problem. He's really good at drawing, and it's just so yeah. so emotive. The players get there, and they're just drained, mm, emotionally yeah. drained. They can't play the second half of the season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Cameron Smith has to that he's <laughs> going to go around again in 2020, but there was no real inclination that it was going to be his last year either. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I read it in, in a paper that he was seriously considering giving up the game out of nowhere because he lost. He he didn't win the grand final. Um, he lost before he got there. So And that apparently was a big enough loss that he just wanted to give up everything. I remember there's also the story that um, some fan at a Roosters game said something un- unfriendly to him. And yeah. Apparently... Apparently that was the first time that's ever happened to Cameron Smith in his entire career, and he didn't he, he wasn't happy with it. Yeah, and we all know that. Uh, I mean, after four hundred NRL games and all the records he's broken in the sport, he is pretty fragile like that, you know. So I mean, eventually he was going to hear something a bit a bit mean. I don't know what they said, but it was it was mean and said, yeah. I, I, so I, I do I do know what was said. Yeah. Let's see. Cameron, you smell like poo-poo. That's pretty hardcore stuff. Hey, hey, Smith! 
Smith. And then he looks over and they go, you, uh, you, you're an idiot head. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're a bum face. Yeah. You're, you're fucking, go away. <laughs> I don't oh, oh, like can you sign my can you sign my jersey before you do, please? <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much pretty much it. Um same with the storm. Uh talk that Brody Croft could be set to sign with the Broncos soon. I it might be a done deal, actually. I think it might be a done deal. Uh I think for Brody Croft, given given that he was sort of a bit on the outer at the end of the last season, which was a bit odd at the Storm, it's probably not a bad idea that he leaves. Yeah, a, a good move for him. Um, it gives him a chance. I think he was played great last year. I don't know why the Storm, you know, turned off him. Uh, really good pick-up by the Broncos. I think he would have been a good pick-up at any club. The only thing that worries me is that we have seen a lot of uh, Melbourne Storm players who have been really, really good at the Melbourne Storm and they go to other clubs and they're average. And it's uh, this isn't against Brody Croft in general. I think it's just the fact that the Storm get the best out of players and other clubs just don't do that as well. Um, but I think Brody Croft is a little bit different. I think he'll be a really good signing for the Broncos. Just what they need, really. Um, they were desperate for a halfback and he's a good young halfback. He's a he's a solid player. He's got a, a lot of experience. So yeah, it's a it's a good signing. I wonder how Seabold's going to fuck this up. Well, I think you sort of noted in a, in a comment just just prior there where you said that um, Melbourne Storm get the best out of a player. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen Seabold get the best out of anyone at the Broncos this year. And no, look, there are a few Broncos players that play great, but that's because they're just freakish talents. Payne Haas, David Fafita, you know. But on numb nuts up there, he's got to do an awful lot more work if he's going to take them to the next level and take that Broncos team who should be playing, you know, should be a top five team every year. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be struggling to make the eight. They shouldn't be getting dicked by Parramatta, you know, 50 odd points in a finals match. Um, and he's done very little changes in that club in the off season. Uh, I hope, I hope Croft. Uh, does go there because I think he would be a great signing for them and I hope he does play well there. The big question though will be who will be his 5'8"? Exactly. And look, I going on last year, I think I would want Milford to be his 5'8". I think Milford, once Agreed. he got got his, his feet at 5'8 again and he was moved immediately when that happened, um, I think he'd be fantastic outside of Croft. And you think about this, like... Croft and Milford in the halves. In the forwards, they've got Haas, they've got Fafida, they've got Pangai Jr., and they've got Offen Gowie. And, it, like, if they can get... They need to get rid of Darius Boyd out of the team. And he can't be the fullback or anything. Like, they've got some bloody good young players. And if it was anybody other than Seabol, I'd be really excited for the Broncos. But I'm not yet. I'll say this. I, because it's such a young team... I mm-hmm. think, despite his his tragic form, mm-hmm. I think they need Darius Boyd in the side. But I would put him on the wing because he is he is a try scorer. I'd put him on the wing and just say, "This is your job. You can still do your fullback stuff. You're on the wing. Just do kick returns. You don't have to get involved in plays. He's kind of out of the way." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he'd be fine enough there. <laughs> For me, the biggest problem with the Broncos is not Darius Boyd. It's what they do at number nine. McCulloch's form just fell off a cliff, and it doesn't look like it's coming back. No, nah, McCulloch's done. Um, and you know, thing, that... Because Boyd's such a big profile player, yeah. and he was the one who was copping all the, you know, all of the, all of the, uh, the brunt of all the abuse and stuff like that from a lot of fans and supporters and whatnot of the game. And the slide in McCulloch's form just went under the radar. Yeah, it was it was really weird. Um, I don't understand why. And they brought in uh, what was his name? The Turpin. PNG player. Oh no, no that, what's his name? Oh, Segiaro. Segiaro, yeah. And unfortunately, Segiaro is not going to be around either. Yeah, so he, he, he did a Segiaro thing. He Segiaroed it. <laughs> um, so yeah, they've got the, the next thing they really need to do is look for a hooker. Um, 
you know, and they, them and the the West Tigers both need to get a, a some something going with their hookers going into the next year. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Seabowles showed he has no idea what to do, uh, and I think he showed that from the beginning of of last year, of this last season right to the very end where it just become a like some sort of weird drama fest with Seabowl every week, and the team was just a sideshow. It was very strange. I was going to say there is a there is a place where there's a few hookers available, and where would that be? Well, I was going to say before, and I realised it's going it was going to uh, have a bit of a double meaning, but it's the Gold Coast. <laughs> they do. A, they actually. got they got Pete's and Rain there. Yeah, that's uh, the Goldie. <laughs> if you're looking for a hooker, you just go straight to the Goldie and just sign one of them up. Yeah, they, they've got hookers there. Yeah, they get the job done too. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good. Very, very, very good. Very nice. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, there's reports that Kirk Capewell could be leaving the Sharks and going to Penrith. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Come out of nowhere because Capewell was linked with the Knights for a long time, but they sort of went cold on him a bit. So, um it was sort of up in the air a bit. I think the Sharks needed to free up a little bit of space. So I think letting Capewell go would, would allow that to happen. They've got a few good young forwards that have come through, so they've got a bit of surplus there anyway. What do you think about the idea of Capewell going to the Panthers? You know, he, he's, he'd be good, good addition. Um, I know would he go into the starting forward pack? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, I don't rate really too many of the Pan, uh, the Panthers forwards. Um, you know, and they do, they need some, some changes in their pack. It's, this is one of those interesting moves where it does seem like a bit of a salary shuffle. Um, Penrith have a little bit of salary cap space spare because they're paying so many other players to play elsewhere next year. But, uh, you know, I think any time the Panthers can just get a good solid performer, they don't even need a superstar pack, just a solid pack, you know? Any solid forward will do because their forwards are so soft. I think for me, the signing of Capewell may be an indication that Isaac Yao may be on the way out. And it could be a medical retirement because he copped a lot of head knocks in the last two years. Yeah, he really did. And it like, man, he got, it's really weird how sometimes there's certain players that they just can't get out the way. And it mm. seems like they just go through a season or two of just getting knocked about. And yeah, he, I mean, he was performing really well when he was well, playing. Well, that's the thing I find with, with, with Yao is that he's, it's it's not through bad luck or stupidity. It's from the fact that he's constantly working. Mm. Like he's he's everywhere in defense. He's always taking those hit-ups. So he's doing all that dirty work that, sadly, a lot of the Panthers pack aren't, aren't willing to do. Uh, like, Campbell Gillard wasn't doing it all year when he should have been doing a lot more of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tamo slowly started to when, when they gave him the captaincy in the second half of the season. But it just meant that, you know, and yeah, it's not a big guy. No. I, you know, he's similar to what Liam Fultonmore was to the Tigers. Just a well, dead set toiler. Yeah, and like he's pretty versatile too. Like they'll use yeah. him out wide and in the centre sometimes too. Um, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's one of those guys, he works his ass off, but man, there's just so many times where you're like, oh no. And when he kept getting head knocks, um, there was one of them where I was like, man, this might be his career done. And and the thing is that like, aside from the fact that head knocks are so dangerous and, and all that sort of thing, uh, they also, once you've got enough of them as a footy player, it just sort of wears you down physically a little bit. I mm. find like it, you can just get knocked out of the game. Yeah, and I think Capel would be a perfect replacement because he can play wing, centre, second row, mm. um, and that's similar to the sort of role that Yao plays. So I think he'd be a perfect replacement for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, uh, it's a pretty good signing. I'd like to see them make a couple of signings of that sort of at that level of, of just as I said, players that can just come in and, and tackle and run. I've got, I've got good news for you, man. Yeah. Another future target for the Panthers. Who? And I know Cleary loves him. Who? Russell Packer's just had a bit of surgery. He's going to be fit for next year. You take that shit. 
<laughs> I don't know if it have to finish. <laughs> what I was going to say. Um, two more bits, and then we've got a bit of a talking point. Um, Jabari Hargraves is set to stay at the Roosters until 2023. Yeah, good signing. I'm glad that he stayed. I didn't want to see him leave. It would, felt like he would have been moving into almost a journeyman part of his career, and I don't don't think... I, did, I didn't like it. When I was saying that he was going to the Panthers and all that, I, I didn't like it. I think the Roosters is a place for him. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad he signed there. You know how he had a really great year this year? Yeah. 30 years old. Matty well, Johns is on the ball, mate. It's when you peak, isn't it? In yeah. your 30s. Oh, you hit 30 and it's just boom. It's all uphill from there. He's pretty smart to, to sign this contract extension. Just as he hit 30 and has a cracker of a year. Smart man. Who said forwards are dumb, eh? Yeah, I know. Hey, by the way, on my website, I found an article from years ago where Matthew John said that the NRL should scrap interchanges altogether. <laughs> He's a real thinker. He's a thinker. That's a genius one. How did that not work? I, I don't know. I don't know why we just didn't adopt that. And he, by the way, his brother, Andrew, is going to move into a halves coaching role at the uh, Parramatta Eels because I know how much Mitchell Moses likes to be told what to do as a half. Yeah, that's going to go down well. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good luck, Joey. Um, Speaking of the Eels, former Eels being a semi-Rodraja is apparently a bit homesick and wants to come back to rugby league. Mm. And he wants to take a pay cut to do it, which is... Happy to take a pay cut. Yeah, that's kind of shocking because at the Rugby Union World Cup, I mean, he tore them apart. It was crazy what he was doing at the Rugby Union World Cup. And it was just accepted that, like, well, on these performances, the idea that he might go back to rugby league for around a million dollars, which we've talked about is too much for a winger, um, it was just gone then. It was just out the window at that point. And I talked about that he'd be a great signing for the Wolfpack. Um, considering that they can sign play, a couple of players to whatever they want to. But there's talk that he's going to come back and into the NRL and play for the uh, for the Rabbitohs, which would be an absolutely amazing signing for them. Absolutely. And imagine the, uh, the hatred he'd get when he goes to Bankwest for his first game and he's wearing red and green. But how about Sivo versus Radradra? Oh, oh God. you phenomenal. Ah. Oh. And he's what, he's, what, 29, 30? Who's that, Red Radra? Yeah. Who's he, 28? We, we looked at this a couple of months ago. Uh, let me have a look here. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just go to this website that I know. Yeah. Is it called um, Rugby League Project? Yeah, that's the one. Ah, it's a pretty good w- website, that. I uh, yeah. do a lot of work on that website, personally. You've done plenty? Uh, well, if you see anything on that website that's statistical base, I'd yeah. probably typed it in there. I'm just saying. Tidy. Um, <laughs> Simira Draja is uh, 27 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. So, wow. Oh. So, how many tries has he got? Uh, just at NRL level, 82 tries in 94 games. 27. No, I reckon the record's out of reach unless yes. he's ridiculously plays for a long time it, it's definitely out of reach you reckon well say he comes back this year right next year 2020 and he scores 25 tries and yeah. then the following year he scores say 18 what did it say he needs to score 131 tries to break the record oh, man. he scored 82 and 94 games i think it has to do with longevity I feel like he could have a really long career. Although, you know what? His, if his legs go, could he be a forward, do you reckon? Like, you know what he could do? Ooh. He could come off the bench, in a t- and I don't like to compare him to this player, but Tony Williams style, when Tony Williams actually had those four or five good games, and, like, you just bring him off as just a power-running forward last 20 minutes, he would be pretty good at that, I reckon, when he gets older. Yeah, um, Man, it's, it's a, a stretch, though. He has to nail it. 
Just doing a calculation there. He's going to need to play it, on the current try-scoring try rate he has. Yeah. He'll need to play 243 games or 244 games to reach the 212 tries required to equal from, the record. Now, is that all up or from now? Like that, that, That's all up. Like, oh, man. It, mm. Means another 150 games. Oh man, he'd have to have a ridiculously long career, which is six to seven, it's over six seasons. Yeah, you look at you need seven years, so you'd have to play till he's thirty-four. I'll say this: I'd really love to see it happen. I would love to see. I'd love to see him try and do it. I feel like there's not too many wingers ever that you could say, you know what, he's one of them that could do it, but he's one of them that could bloody do it. Yeah, he was crazy good. I think I think Sivan might be the one to chase it down now. So do I, yeah. Or uh, Vunivalu, I think he was another one we looked at. Yeah, um, they a pretty good striker after those two uh, guys. Maybe Latrell Mitchell was another one that we were looking yeah. at. There was someone there was someone else, and I feel like it was a big name that was like, oh, man, look how many yeah. he's got. Latrell's got a fair few already, so he's a pretty good yeah. chance, and he's quite young. Yeah. Um. Now, mm-hmm. play salaries. Yeah, there's been talk um, that, and this happens every now and then, that they should be made public. And this comes mostly from players who are sick of, con- you know, con- having conversations about, you know, how much of the salary cap is taken up by certain players and what their wages are and who's overpaid and who's underpaid. Blah 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 blah. Um, I'll say this, and I've said this before um, online, you know that I think we do not need to have player salaries made public. No. I think it's a privacy issue. Absolutely it is. You know, anytime a journalist says, you know, oh, the players' players salary should be made public, I'm always like, well, what are you earning? And they never say, funnily enough. They always keep it to themselves. It's a privacy issue. It's none of anyone's business, in my opinion. Nope. And anybody that says that the player's salary should be should be made public, I don't care what they say unless the first thing they say is, this is how much I earn this year, this is how much I've earned the previous like five or six seasons, this is how much I'll be earning next year. Because unless you're willing to do that, why should we impose that on players? Exactly right. Agree 100%. I cannot argue with that whatsoever. I think it's absolutely absurd and perverse. Mm-hmm that people want to know this stuff. I mean, it's bad enough that we have media going around, chasing around the likes of Sam Burgess when he's on a boat in fucking Mexico. Mm-hmm. Why should we need to know how much he's earning as well? And there's like, you know, one of the problems that, that some players have when they come over from the Pacific Islands to play rugby league is that they have to send a lot of money back home, Right. And it's just a cultural thing. It's just what they do, you know. Um, and if their play, if their salaries were public, you know, th- it would apply a new pressure to them. And because the the salary that would be made public would be their overall salary, it wouldn't include how much they've got to pay in tax, which is a whack that people forget all about. You know, it wouldn't include their bills. It wouldn't include all of this, you know, their financial stuff that they've got to look after. It wouldn't include how much the the manager takes out of it. And, you know, if you find out that player XYZ is on $800,000 a year and you're like, well, he's got eight hundred grand every year, but it's not that. He isn't pocketing eight hundred grand. Um, I just don't like the thought of it at all. Uh, and I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Players Association would not let it happen, hopefully. Um, and yeah, anytime a journalist writes an article about it, unless it starts with how much they've earned over the previous five or six years, I don't care what they have to say. No, I fully agree. It's, as I said, it's, it's just, it's just perverted. Mm. They just want to say they can create more content and then talk about, you know, put out more of those bullshit articles about who the worst signing is of all time based on their salary and what they've done. 100%. It'd be used as a weapon against them. Yep. And that it's it's just gross the people that need to know know the people that don't need to know they don't need to know you know i don't care what players earn 
No, I mean, like, like, actually, what I'd suggest, okay, is is if it comes out, every player should come out and say exactly the same figure. They should all have a meeting and say, right, we're going to tell every single journalist that what we're earning is $200,000 a year. <laughs> that would be Every crazy. single one of them. Yeah. And you say, right, who's telling the truth? And the thing is, too, like, there's this, there's this idea that the NRL clicks its fingers tomorrow and they say, all right, here's all the players' salaries. And the media sits down and they do the sums and then they go, gotcha, this team's over the cap. And it's that's, like, that's do the they thing. think that's how it's going to happen? Yeah, they, they reckon that they can just do do a quick counting up and go, oh, they're over the cap and going, yeah, no. Yeah. It's that's what so they're trying to do. Stupid. It's so bloody stupid. I saw somebody on Twitter uh, earlier today and they said that if the player salaries were public, then it would stop player managers from talking up player salaries Bullshit. and it would mean that clubs would be able to manage their salary cap better. Like the clubs don't know how much players are on. It's like how much is, how much, Latrell Mitchell is on how much here? Exactly. This is the thing. Everyone who needs to know what a player is earning already knows. Mm. No one else needs to know. The clubs know, the player managers know, and the players know how much they're earning. Everyone everyone who's involved in this process knows. Mm. So there's no need for anyone else to know. It's, exactly. It's sick. This, this obsession we're trying to figure out what, what a player earns is, I don't know, it's like this weird version of jealousy or something like that. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's I a, don't the, get the it. The only thing I can get is just it's just perverse. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, I I kind of hope that they... I'd love them all to be millionaires. I really would. I think it'd be fantastic. But yeah, I don't understand the idea. I, I think it would turn into something gross very, very quickly. And I could see where, you know, I mean, players already get targeted for how much the, the nominal or notional values that are put in the media up are, are assigned to players. I mean, I think of someone like a Ben Hunt, um, you know, you don't want. I just, I think it's gross. It really is. Well, that's the thing. Okay, with a lot of those, is they're made out as though the player has demanded that that salary in every occasion. That's not the case. The club are the ones who make the payment in the end. They're the ones who agree to make the payment. Mm. So they're the ones with the final decision. If they don't, if they think he's asking for too much, then they won't sign him. It's just as simple as that. Yeah. If they think, if the Dragons thought, yeah, you know what, Ben Hunt's worth a million bucks, they sign the contract and give it to him, then more power to him. But it's it's not his fault that they sign, a, sign to that. That's their fault. Same with the Bulldogs for signing four and for what they paid for him. And yeah. To be honest, I, I think they're worth what they were offered anyway. And Darius Boyd's another one. Like, you know, and people saying, oh, I should just you know, give up all that money and it's like, go away. Yeah. They would, owe him that money. Yeah. Would you? Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> why it was so gross when former players were coming out and saying, oh, Darius should do the right thing and walk away. And there were some players that were doing it that were involved in the Super League war. And it's yeah. like, you fucking idiot. You were doing some fucking backhanded shit during Super League to make every last cent you could. And then you'd go and turn around and say, Darry should stand down. Fuck off. I'm well fired said. up today, eh? Hey? What's are, going you on? You are fired up. We, and you know, the sad thing is? Yeah. We just got through all the news. Oh, really? Yeah. What else can you get fired up about that's, that's gone on? Um, Let me think. Um... Well, there was a Panthers player who pleaded, pleaded guilty to a uh, the sex tape crap from what was it, the start of the year? Start of the year, yeah. He play, apparently, he he copped to one of the charges. I, I didn't read it, so I don't know exactly. But I, yeah. I was told that he copped to one of the charges, and the other one was dropped. So um, I I don't know if he's still on their books. I think he might be, but I I thought that because I thought that they'd sacked him earlier this year. Um, but then I was told that he was just stood down under the no fault standout policy. So I, I'm guessing that they'd sack him now if they haven't already. Um, yeah, I assume. Yeah, I assume he was still on the books because I mean Ivan Cleary was was there today watching over the whole thing. Oh, was he? Jesus yeah. Christ, man! 
They don't, fucking, they don't care, do they? Nah. They don't care. Uh, so he's got to return to court on January 31 for sentencing. All right. I wonder what happens to him. May, who had been earmarked as a long-term prospect for the Panthers. Was he? He was um, like a fringe first grader, I thought. Yeah, he played 19 games in one year, and that was about it. Nothing there. Um... That's hey, I was I was just looking on uh, the NRL website, oh, and yeah. they're saying, it, and it said that uh, the headline is, and it's from Brad Walter. Uh, he's a content creator for the NRL, and it says McGregor draws line through 2019 season after US trip. So where would he go to, McGregor? Oh, so so he was happy with 2019 until he went to the USA, and then went. Yeah, 2019 <laughs> was bad because I watched NBA and NFL and some hockey. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That's McGregor logic for you there. Join the dots on that. If you can figure out how the dots join on that with with that information, um, let us know. I just imagine that he gets back from this junket and uh, he sits down with whoever's left at the Dragons and they say, so Paul, what what did you learn about our rugby league team? from your junket over there that we paid for. And he goes, well, I learned that when it comes to 2019, fuck that shit. I'm looking forward. <laughs> Let's have a look at this article. So McGregor and team manager Ben Haran joined the AFL Coaches Association. Oh, Paul even got on the wrong plane. <laughs> <laughs> Leadership Immersion Program, along with the likes of West Coast Eagles Director of Coaching Gavin Bell, Essendon Assistant Coach Mark Harvey and his Carlton Hawthorne counterparts, Cameron Bruce and Adam Easy or whatever it is. Others in the 15-strong group included um, Melbourne Storm COO Danielle Smith, who's also CEO of the club's Sunshine Coast Lightning netball franchise, Mm -hmm. AFL umpire Matt Nickel, and Cotton on Group Executive Operations Logistics, Glenn Keast. The old keister. Right. Um, I think, Paul, I, I mean, I know we've talked a bit to you already tonight, Paul. Uh, your, your problem you've got is not your inability to, to shift clothing or get the best out of a netball team or understand the, the finer minutiae of being an AFL coach. I think what you need to focus on and this is going to sound absurd, so bear with me, mm-hmm. is how to be an NRL coach. And maybe the best way to do that is to be with other NRL coaches. Yeah, he should just sit a, down. Just a crazy idea. He should sit down, right? And any time that Shane Flanagan talks about rugby league, not so much supplements, but rugby league, he should listen. Yeah, and for someone who's really, really opposed to scoring tries off kicks. It's a bit funny that he's gone to spend a lot of time with AFL coaches. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty funny. What do you reckon they talked about in their spare time? Oh, uh, coffee. Probably. I don't know I don't know what Victorians talk about. I don't mingle with Victorians. Good. I know I, that I, you're you're down there and mm. you're like you're shining the light for rugby league down in uh Mexicanville down there. Yeah. Um I like I, I, I sit here in my bunker. Yeah. I like that you treat them like they're a bunch of NPCs with no soul. That they're just like walking around like Sims. Yeah, like I don't even pay attention to these fucking people. They just like yap, 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 yap. Uh, when I say Victorians, I mean the ones who don't follow rugby league. Yeah, yeah, because there yeah. are some Victorians that follow rugby league. Yeah. Nathan? Uh, heaps of them. Yeah, Nathan does. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. I was thinking about Nathan the other night. Naturally. Yeah. As you um, And I just, I can't get over how good he is. Yeah, he, he is a good man. Like, I think that he should be treated to something really nice. Well, we, we had a bit of a get-together. I mean, we've yeah. already got planned for a barbecue in June, in January, so. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm... I should get the, the, the biggest steak I can find just for him. Yeah. 
Yeah, should I like, go with a one kilo rump or should I go for something a bit bigger? Should I just get a roast just for Nathan? That's a good. That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, I think I'd go for the roast. Like a, a nice big rump steak is is great. It's fun, but like a full roast and it's Nathan's roast. No yeah, one else. Yeah. Like, yeah, you give the fucking chops and stuff to whoever. Give get some of those fucking. You know how you get the snags and there's like fifty seven of them in a cling wrap. Yeah, 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 that's give for everyone else. To, yeah, that's for everyone else. Nathan, though, you get him the nice fat pork sausages. Oh. Maybe a little something-something inside them. Maybe the fancy ones. We'll, we'll look after you, Nate. Yeah. Um, yeah, so have we got any uh, got any emails? You know what? Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not trying to make some time up here at all. Yeah. But we actually did. Bullshit. We did get some email. Uh, fucking load up, you bitch. <laughs> Stop talking to your cat like that. <laughs> uh, it's just loading up. Hang on. We got we got a couple of emails. We got one from. Well, I like the fact you still use you still use dial up internet. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. So we got we got uh, an email from Anthony Platt. I wonder if he's Andy Platt's uh, son. I've got to be. He's in Australia. I hope I'm allowed to use your name, Anthony. Um, he says, hi, team. Just listen Don't use to your... my name. <laughs> yeah, please do not use my name. Um, hi, team. Just listen to your podcast about the international scene, and you asked about where to expand the game next. I suggest Hawaii. The Pacific is where rugby league is growing. I believe that Hawaii doesn't really have a national team, so they may get right behind a sport where they can compete with fellow Pacific nations. Big population, big money, and sponsorship possibilities. And let's face it, Pacific nations kick ass. Plenty of Polynesians who seem to take league to take to league in a big way. Just a thought. So that's a pretty good email. Um, you, so you emailed yourself? No, no, I did not. Because <laughs> I know that that's something you're really mad keen on, is having, having a team out in that area. Yeah, and I guess Anthony is like, he... he he's on board as well so me and anthony will be uh team managers when hawaii when honolulu comes into the national rugby league there's the first two shareholders right there yeah exactly um we got another one from uh juan garcia and it was about the international rankings we are actually going to do a big international rankings episode probably early next week so we we've got your email uh, and so, yeah, we're going to, I know we said we were going to do, we've got a couple of great suggestions that he put forward for, uh, for podcast episodes. Sweet. So we'll, we'll do this one first and then we'll probably get to the other one, uh, down the track, I would say. Um, let me see if we've got any other ones. What's this one here? Why is my bloody email loading so slow? This is ridiculous. Okay. Uh... Oh, yeah, that was about the Legends of Origin match. I tell you what, anybody that knows where we could get footage of the 2001 Legends of League Origin match when Mark McGaw got into a fight of Mal Meninga, let us know so we can send it on to Ryan because Ryan wants to uh, see that fight. The subject is Sparkles McGaw. So, yeah. So we haven't forgotten about you, Ryan. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's all the emails. It's good to get some emails. Hey, yeah, didn't, I didn't think it worked. Do we have any new, uh, new, uh, podcast reviews on Apple? Let's have a look. I yeah. don't, don't think so. Uh, no, no, no new reviews. Okay. So, well, people, you need to get out there and review the podcast because without your reviews, we don't get the glory we want, you know. We we'll read out your reviews. We put on the reviews. Go and have a look at the website, fergoandthefreak.com. Go and look at the bottom of the pages. I'm putting the reviews there for you, and name it using your names. Yeah, we're making you famous. You can Google yourself now, and you'll you'll get a result. Exactly. That's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, you can show your kids that shit. Yeah. And say when when they used to do podcasts before they would ship, you just insert it into your head. Look at this review I put down. Can you imagine if one day people are inserting our chips into their heads? 
Yeah. Wow. What will society be like then? We'll just be sitting around eating dogs. What? <laughs> eating dogs, yeah. People st- people want to listen to Fergo and Freak, and so they've got to get a chip. Um, and, yeah, so they go out and, you know, they go to a special shop, they get the head job, and then they can listen to us on the podcast. Would that, would that Straight- shop be in the Gold Coast at all? <laughs> I, say, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. Anything um, I say is just going to lead down a bad path. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to let you do that to me tonight. I, I made sure I trimmed the hedges by the path there. There in Gold Coast. Can't. <laughs> just walk away. Just walk away. Just walk away. All right. On that, uh, on that big, big bombshell where you didn't take yeah. the stroll. Yeah. Uh, we'll wrap this sucker up. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. Catch us on YouTube. Go over there, subscribe, like all the videos. Um, as Freaky said, get on the uh, on your podcast listening devicement and sit there and give us a five star review and and you know give us big praise and we'll read it out and give you big praise. And, um, yeah, we'll catch you next time.